When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler. How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am. I am very, very ready. I've been waiting all summer. All right, let's give it a whirl. Okay, let's do that. And uh, before we get started, I just want to say hello, everyone. Welcome to season two. We're very excited to be here with you. Um, We love all of you guys. And thank you so much for joining us. Yes, uh, welcome back. Uh, Yes, this is our uh, season two premiere. Uh, So uh, we were on hiatus for a little bit, giving you some mini episodes through that time. But now uh, we are back onto our regular schedule, giving you a a new experiment every Friday. Uh, So uh, this uh, episode is going to work a little bit differently. Uh, We're not exactly going to be looking at uh, the birth date of a historical figure. Uh, Instead, uh, we are going to be looking at the birth date of a nation. Uh, This uh, episode will be coming out uh, 4th of July weekend, Independence Day. Uh, So we are going to take a look and see if uh, what is actually the right uh, birth date for America. Can we figure that out together? Um, Because there are a couple different arguments that could be made that maybe July 4th is not uh, the birth date of our country. So I'm going to have Mom help me out here in uh, going through three possible dates that have been bandied about for the uh, actual birth date of America. All right, this sounds like a very interesting experiment, Chandler. Uh, So, uh, the first date that I would like to take a look at uh, is July 2nd, 1776. Okay, so I'm going to try this as an event, and we'll see what happens with that. Do you want to put uh, time on this? Yeah, we'll go ahead with noon. All right. 
And after uh, Mom does our interpretation of our chart, then I will give a little bit of historical background as to why July 2nd may be our uh, birth date in the United States instead of what we might think of uh, two days later as the 4th. All right, so I'm going to place this as USA. Mm -hmm. We'll go with Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right, so we are going with July 2nd this first time, eh? Yes. Okay, with a birth time of noon, this puts Libra on the first house cusp. All right, so I'm just going to go through the planets uh, for this chart. The sun is in Cancer. The moon is in Capricorn. Mercury is in Cancer. Venus is in Cancer. Mars is in Gemini. Jupiter is in Cancer. Saturn is in Libra. Uranus is in Gemini. Neptune is in Virgo. Pluto is in Capricorn. The North Node is in Leo. And Chiron is in Aries. All right. With an ascendant of nine degrees Libra. So... Wow. Okay. Looking at this chart, there's a very, very heavy ninth house. You see all these planets in the ninth house? Yes. And there are two planets in the 10th house plus the North Node. The 12th house has Neptune and the first house has Saturn. The fourth house has the moon and Pluto conjunct. See that? The moon is at 25 degrees Capricorn and Pluto is at 27 degrees Capricorn. And Chiron is in the seventh house in Aries. So starting with the first house, all right, As we know, when we do people with Libra rising, the first house is your house of self, how people see you, um, your appearance, uh, your personality, how uh, you um, are interpreted on like that first uh, uh, meeting. And this chart has Saturn in the first house. So Saturn is control, lessons, learning. So it would seem that with this chart, uh, that the country would be learning, right? It would also be very beautiful, okay? Because Libra is ruled by Venus and that makes it very beautiful, okay? Um, we have Scorpio on the second house, which would be our house of values and how we make money and, uh, material things. All right. Then, uh, third house. And how would Scorpio, how would Scorpio in the second house, how would that have, what does that say about how we make money and our values? Well... On one hand, you could say it was elegant. Um, uh, well, it, it's Scorpio 
on the second house and Leo on the second house are similar in that they are kind of uh, a dramatic taste. Okay. But if you consider um, unseen things like how we make money, that Scorpio would all, could also be very Plutonian, very unseen things, things that happen beneath the surface that you don't see, right? Uh, then third, secret things. It could be secret things, all right? Uh, third house is ruled by Sagittarius, and uh, there's no planets there. The fourth house, the house of home, and country and and uh, um, environment and neighborhood and community has Pluto conjunct Moon in Capricorn. So one aspect is that right now the United States is having its Pluto return. Okay, so no matter what day we choose, whether we choose the second or the third or the fourth, any part of this time is still going to have Pluto and Capricorn. Okay. Uh, so that's very interesting because, um, in the fourth house, if this were to be, you know, the, the, the actual chart, uh, Pluto conjunct moon is moon is mother. All right. And Pluto is power and, and also hidden things and, and, and taboo things and, and, and death and rebirth and, um, all of those Plutonian things. And this is in Capricorn. So it all has to do with Saturn things, which are the lessons and control and government and, um, Uh, delays in a way like Saturn takes a long time. So if you have, but it's also very committed. So that's very interesting that it's in Capricorn because Saturn is at home in Capricorn uh, because Saturn, Saturn rules Capricorn. All right. But in this situation, we're putting Saturn things onto Pluto and the moon. All right. In the fourth house, which is community and country. All right. Fifth house is ruled by Gemini. We don't have anything in this chart in that house. Uh, sixth house is ruled by, uh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> I lost my mind for a moment. Fifth house is ruled by uh, Aquarius and sixth house is ruled by. So what, uh, what would that mean? Okay. So, um, Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. Your fifth house is kind of how you have fun. So, uh, and it's also fifth house is ruled by Leo and the sun. So fifth house in Aquarius, having Aquarius rule, it is going to give you unusual, unique ways of having fun. And, um, if it were a person, it would be romance, children, leadership, so if we look at this from this perspective, this fifth house as leadership, uh, clearly having it ruled by Aquarius would give you a futuristic, unique way of leading. Okay. Then sixth house ruled by Pisces would give you a unique way of working. 
okay, a creative way of, of uh, addressing work and how you work. Um, and also healing because sixth house is ruled by Virgo, which is ruled by Mercury. Uh, also a unique creative way of communicating. Seventh house cusp is Aries, which is Mars, which is warlike things. And Chiron is there at 20 degrees Aries. So Chiron is the wounded healer. So individual partnerships in legal matters, in things that are ruled by the seventh house, um, we have kind of a warlike attitude. And I think that we are fairly well known for our warlike attitude in trying to heal. I think that um, Chiron is the wounded healer. So in, in, in addressing warlike things, our narrative is that we are going to assist in war to try to heal and make things, you know, democratic and, and, and free, help free people. And then eighth house is ruled by Taurus and the eighth house is, uh, ruled by Pluto and Scorpio natally, naturally, that's who rules the eighth house. But in this chart, we have Taurus there. So there's nothing in that house, but Taurus is ruled by Venus. And uh, it would be dealing with material things. I think that America is known as a very rich nation. So that kind of makes sense that we would have Taurus on the eighth house. Ninth house of philosophies is ruled by Gemini. And in that ninth house, we have Uranus at eight degrees, Gemini, and Mars at 19 degrees, Gemini. So Uranus and Mars conjunct in Gemini, almost, they're conjunct by sign, not not completely conjunct by degree, would kind of make us unusual communicators and having to do with war, warlike things, because Mars is warlike things, and Gemini would kind of make us want to be more communicative and more... Uh, negotiative in warlike things, try to talk it out. But we have Uranus there, which is surprise things and unexpected things and lightning fast and unique things uh, in Gemini, which would give us a more... Um, We could take a turn that people don't expect, okay? And it's in the ninth house, the house of philosophy and travel, these two planets in Gemini. Um, 
and higher education. Uh, it makes us do unexpected things, things people, you know, didn't, didn't think of or, or, I think it would, it, I would hope to say that it would make us, you know, that we would try to negotiate first. I can only hope. And then we have, uh, Venus conjunct Jupiter in cancer in the ninth house. So that's very nurturing and emotional. Um, it's early degree cancer. So it is on the cusp of Gemini. Clearly we are very emotional about our philosophies. Okay. And then we have sun. And there's a power there too, right? With Jupiter. Yes, there, there is. Jupiter expands everything. So Jupiter expanding Venus and expanding Mars and expanding Uranus. Okay. Because Jupiter will make everything bigger. All right. So we could be more emotional. We could be more, uh, something about communication, maybe technology. We could be very technological, which we are, but I mean, other countries are also very technological. Um, 10th house is career and kind of like fame. Um, and but also the Midhaven is in cancer, which is career and like the career of the United States, right? So we have sun, uh, Mercury and North node in Leo in the 10th house. So North node in Leo is, um, very interesting to have in the 10th house because it makes everything very career oriented. It is, um, it, it, it is the purpose. The purpose is the career, the business of leadership and leading the country, if that makes any sense. And uh, Mercury and the sun in Cancer, all these Cancer signs should be very mothering there should there's a very female energy about it i don't know because i don't necessarily feel that the united states has a big female energy it feels very male to me as a woman <laughs> but i mean it's i guess more progressive than some other countries i don't know um at least we like to think so the lady liberty yes lady liberty yeah, but that was a gift. Um, but it, and, I mean, it was it was a symbol mm-hmm. far before the French ever gave it to us. It's uh, that's true. So there, there is a, 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 I mean, Lady Liberty and Uncle Sam go hand in hand <laughs> in, in our in our symbols. There are times when 
Um, there's a definite nurturing and female. I mean, it's a nation composed of many different individuals all making yes. choices. Yeah. Some of those choices have been nurturing and have been with yes. a more female ideas. And a lot of times how we get out of um, our worst natures is by appealing to um, our more female feminine side. So I, I wouldn't say that it is uh, entirely out of context to have some female energy here. I, I, I agree. And then we have Leo actually on the 11th house cusp. So uh, Leo on the 11th house because the 11th house is groups and um, humanitarian things, friends, uh, allies, I guess. Um, we are seen as the leader. It's Leo. So we're also very dramatic and in our, in our group. Like we, we tend to be the showpiece in every aspect of groups. Um, then we have Virgo on the 12th house cusp and we have Neptune in Virgo on the 12th house. Neptune in Virgo is not a happy thing because Neptune is dreamy and imaginative and creative and, and subconscious and, and, and psychic and all of those Pisces things. So being in Virgo is uncomfortable and the 12th house is karma and how a new nation could have karma is interesting, but there is this battle between dreamy, creative, um, illusions, creating illusions and the preciseness of Virgo because Virgo is very precise. It's very mathematical. It's very, um, logical. It's not logical the same as Capricorn. It's, it's data and organizing data. So there is some karma with this possibly creative organization. Um, so there could be, karma in this nation living up to its ideals could be that reality and dollars and cents and logistics have gotten in the way of us living up to our ideals that's very possible but it's uh, virgo is not necessarily the dollars and cents because that would be more taurus but it's logistics virgo uh-huh. And Virgo is also uh healing, medical, uh creative medical healing. Uh, Virgo represents uh health also. Do you have questions regarding this one? So with this, um we've covered a little bit of it already, but how would our allies view us? Well, in this situation, I would look at the seventh house because I would assume, you know, partners, partnerships. And I believe that in a lot of ways, we are looked at 
by all other countries as the baby. But we are a very dramatic baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are a very, very dramatic baby. And I believe that, you know, countries that have been established, you know, from millennia, uh, see us as kind of maybe even raging babies. You know what I mean? Like we constantly have to have the focus on us. Or at least it, it seems that way to me that... Everyone in the world looks to the United States and what's going on in the United States because we're always doing something, you know? So I think in this situation, we have Chiron in the seventh, but we also have this 11th house, which is ruled by Leo. So I think our allies respect what we do and what we've done and our power, but at the same time, I think there's eye rolling going on. I think that there is some level of eye rolling like, oh, they're at it again, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But we have no choice. If this were the actual chart with North Node in Leo in the 10th house, it is the career to lead and to also, you know, uh, it's about children and protecting and, you know, these, the, all the good Leo things, but, you know, there's a dark side to everything. So I think that our, because of this Chiron in the seventh house in Mars, a lot of times they also look to us to heal them, you know, to help, uh, after the warlike things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you look at, our, our history in foreign wars, you look at World War One, World War Two. after our military um, actions uh, always follows through with um, uh, uh, ways of helping those war-torn areas. You look at the Marshall Plan and rebuilding Europe. You look at what Herbert Hoover was doing, getting food to people after World War I. Um, so it's this healing through war um, this raging uh, baby, this uh, militaristic times that we have, but followed through with healing. I think that's very right. um, apropos. And also very egotistical. Mm -hmm. Very, very competent, this whole Leo, North Node and Leo thing. And that isn't going to change. It No matter where you put the, well, I mean, unless you, you really change the date, uh, no matter how you look at it, it doesn't matter what's, what rising sign you have. North Node in Leo and Pluto in Capricorn and Jupiter in Can these These planets are still going to be there. The moon might change depending on what day you do because the moon changes every two and a half days. So, Well, our, we'll see. Our, our third option is going to be uh, quite a few years away. So, okay. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there uh, anything else about this chart that um, strikes out to you? Um, not at the moment, but I'm going to leave this uh, open so that I can uh, re refer back to it. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing this? I am. Okay. Um, well, 
so I think at this time uh, I will um, talk a little bit about why July 2nd. Because uh, uh, we all know July 4th, that's Independence Day, right? Um, but uh, really, looking at the uh, history of it, many of our founding fathers expected July 2nd to be uh, the day. Uh, that would be commemorated as Independence Day. Uh, that is because it is the actual date um, that independence uh, was agreed upon in the Second Continental Congress. Um, so July 4th, uh, well, I'll talk about what happened on July 4th after we, we get to it. But July 2nd was the day that it was actually voted upon. And unanimously, the delegates in uh, the Second Continental Congress agreed that the colonies should separate um, from uh, Great Britain. John Adams, writing to his wife, said uh, that the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epica in the history of America. I am apt mm. to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, mm. games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Wow. Um, that is what he expected to happen July 2nd of every year following 1776. Mm. Um, so to give you just a little bit of context, this was... Not an easy thing to do. Um, it had never been done in the history of, of the world for colonies to uh, declare independence from their mother country. Uh, so uh, the way that all of this happened to be um, was uh, there were some colonists who were pretty upset with uh, the way that Great Britain was handling things. Uh, a large part of that had to do with the military um, prices, the, the, the cost that Great Britain suffered in uh, securing the colony's uh, security from uh, the French and Indian War. Um, they expected the colonies to pay their fair share, and the colonists didn't have any objections to that. They just had objections to the way that the uh, Great Britain was uh, doing this without its consent. Uh, so they were passing lots of taxes, taxes on uh, tea and sugar and paper and uh, all sorts of other goods, um, but they were not asking the colonists about this. Now, if they were to do this in Great Britain, they would go to Parliament, and Parliament would pass these acts. The people in Parliament were elected by the populace to be there. But over in the colonies, there were no uh, members of Parliament speaking on their behalf in London. Uh, so these taxes were just being thrust upon the colonists without their consent. Uh, this gave rise to uh, the phrase taxation without representation. Uh, so uh, the way that the colonists, especially in the New England areas, uh, campaigned against this was by boycotting many of these items. So if the tea, uh, if the tea was being taxed, um, then, uh, they would not buy the tea. And in one famous instance, they took the huge shipment of tea and dumped it right into Boston Harbor, uh, known as the Boston Tea Party. Uh, well, once all that started to happen, the British, uh, 
they don't take too kindly to rebellions, uh, to uh, these acts of mm-hmm. uh, uh, of resistance. So they sent uh, the military in to Boston uh, and uh, to try and, and crush this. Uh, this led to uh, one uh, event called the Boston Massacre, uh, where several of uh, the colonists uh, got upset, started throwing snowballs, some throwing rocks, some throwing sea- uh, oyster shells at a-, a group of British soldiers. And eventually the British sh- soldiers fired in uh, to the crowd and uh, they killed several of the colonists. Um, this brought on further uh, action by the British Empire to um, now start to take away the rights. Um, no more freedom of assembly, freedom of speech. You can't criticize the government, otherwise you'll be labeled a traitor. Uh, you cannot uh, uh, do many of the things which were thought of as God-given rights uh, to many of these colonists. Um, that just made the colonists even more angry. And in April of 1775, uh, the uh, British military started to look for um, firearms that were being stockpiled in Lexington and Concord, and uh, they found the firearms, but uh, they were in the hands of militiamen, and a a, a skirmish broke out at Lexington and Concord known as the shot heard round the world, and that was the start of what would become the American Revolution. But at this time, not all of the colonists thought that they were fighting a revolution. They thought that they were just fighting to be still part of the British um, Empire, but as British citizens, given the full rights that British citizens would have in Britain, um, that is representation in the Parliament, uh, that is their rights to assembly and uh, freedom of speech. Uh, so the... Uh, First Continental Congress was made up of uh, men from all over the 13 colonies meeting in Philadelphia, simply trying to uh, heal this wound, uh, send the olive branch to just implore the British Parliament to take away these acts, to take away the military, um, and to bring things back to the way that they were before. While that's happening, though, uh, the militia was going to continue to fight the British military in New England. Uh, and so there were skirmishes uh, in uh, Massachusetts continue on through this time. And uh, the Continental Congress agreed that it needed to raise an army across the colonies to defend itself. And they made a, a Virginian planter named George Washington the commander-in-chief of this army. Um To many of the people in Massachusetts, it seemed uh, uh, like they were going on the wrong path to keep waving this olive branch. It it clearly seemed to them that the British had no intention of uh, ever uh, uh, agreeing to go back to normal. And they didn't even like what normal meant anyway. They felt Mm -hmm. that America was now a distinct culture, a distinct people, and it required a distinct nation. But at the beginning of all this, that was still a very much a minority thought. Um, there were those who were very proud to be British citizens. Uh, they were part of the greatest empire, the greatest navy, the greatest power on the face of the earth. They did not take that lightly. They, they were very patriotic. Um, but as these uh, skirmishes and, and battles continued to happen, it started to change the minds of these people very slowly. Um, and so in the Congress meeting in Philadelphia, more and more people started to 
go towards this idea that we should declare independence, that we should not be a part of Great Britain anymore, and we are now fighting a revolution for independence. And so these... uh, uh, Discussions kept going on throughout uh, 1775 and going into the uh, spring and then summer of 1776, and it is uh, a Virginian, uh, Richard Henry Lee, who uh, came in with a proposal from the uh, House of Burgesses, or agreed upon by the House of Burgesses in Virginia, uh, saying that uh, there should be a resolution, saying that these colonies uh, are of right, ought to be free and independent states, that all allegiance to the crown of Great Britain be completely absolved. And it took quite a bit of discussion to figure out if everyone was on board with this. Many people in the southern colonies, they were not feeling the wrath of the British military and felt that Mm -hmm. if they did declare independence, then they would. That right now there was no war in South Carolina. Um, If they declared independence, there certainly would be a war in South Carolina. Um, But through the discussions... uh, the uh, proponents such as Ben Franklin and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson uh, were able to convince everyone there to uh, vote unanimously for uh, independence or to leave the Congress if they did not. And uh, that is what happened on July 2nd, 1776. That vote took place and uh, the the colonies were no longer colonies. Uh, they were states, um, independent states uh, with the ability to act and do and wage war and uh, 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 contract peace as they would. Um, but There was no document yet to say uh, what any of this meant and why they were doing it. So uh, that is uh, what would have to happen next. All right, so at this time, are you ready to go uh, on to the big date, what we all know as Independence Day? Sure, let's do that one. All right, so we're looking for the 4th of July, 1776. Okay. Happy birthday, America. Do you want to do noon again? Yeah. Okay. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I kept looking for the minutes of the uh, Congress or anything to tell me a time of uh, either when the vote was taken or when this uh, was first printed, but couldn't find it. Huh. Interesting. Do find that very interesting that there's no record of that available or just yeah available like it could have been somewhere in the national archive somewhere but i just uh it wasn't easily findable online okay so clearly we're not we haven't changed anything except the moon all right it puts the moon in aquarius instead of in capricorn And it puts it in the fifth house, which is the house of fun and, and entertainment and, uh, romance and children and leadership and all those things that are ruled by the sun. And it does make things more fun than having moon and Capricorn. Moon and Capricorn can be, uh, difficult. Because having your emotions ruled by Saturn is uh, a battle all the time. 
So in this situation, originally Aquarius was ruled by Saturn and not Uranus because they hadn't discovered Uranus yet. But so it kind of gives that same thing, only that Aquarius is um, more, I guess I want to say Aquarius is more fun. I think Aquarius is more fun. But, but there's fun and there's unique uh -huh. and there's creative all in there. Yeah. So it, it and it puts it in the fifth house, which puts your um, emotions uh, connected to all of those fifth house things. So I do feel uh, that, you know, to me, it makes a little bit more sense that it would be this day with the moon in Aquarius. And if we are going with noon, which I don't know if we would go with noon or how we want to put that, but going with this time of noon, uh, it does put the moon in the fifth house, which is uh, um, emotionally uh, connected to fun. And I think in a lot of ways, people think America is fun and free and, you know, why kind of wild and, and, and cowboyish and, you know, uh, unique, very unique, all of those things, but it basically puts, leaves everything else where it was. It doesn't really change anything, you know, other than that moon placement. Um, now moon is typically connected to the mother, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So just in a wild abstract thought, um, a lot of people would say that the mother of the United States would be Great Britain. Uh, so how would the placement of the moon maybe affect our relationship with Great Britain? Well, uh, it would make the mother, if this were a person, it would make... Let's say this is a person, okay, and they have moon and Aquarius in the fifth house. It would make their mother very unique. And also all of those uh, things that are Uranus, right? So uh, lightning quick, very smart, very technological, um, even uh, interested in uh, supernatural things and occult things. Um, but having moon in the fifth house would make the mother a very connected to the children, you know, very connected to children in general. Um, I have natal moon in my fifth house and I am very connected to children and, and, and the well-being of them and all of that. So, I mean, it, it, it would make this initial break from Great Britain kind of like a teenager or a young adult leaving the house, but with a lot of drama, you know, but that the mother still loves them, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if it were a person, you know, I, I, I would say that. Yeah. And then going back, uh, how would that change with the uh, moon and Capricorn? Moon and Capricorn in the fourth house is different because it's about the home. So M Moon and Capricorn can be very uh, cut and dried if it wants to be. Um, it, 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 when they're done, 
they're done. So having moon and Capricorn in the first, in the fourth house with you considering that Great Britain is the mother of America, it would be more all or nothing, you know, kind of situation with the emotions of the moon, the, the, the tide of those emotions. Does that make any sense? Yes. So, uh, and more reserved, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely more reserved. Not, not, but, so I mean, moon the difference is being also here... reserved. I mean, you have moon in Aquarius. You're very reserved. You know, mm-hmm. you have a familiarity with this way of, of expressing your emotions. Although you can be very emotional, it is not your go-to. You know what I mean? You can get, right. you can get overwhelmed, same as I can, but both of our moons originally were ruled by Saturn. Uh, the difference between you and I is that sometimes when I'm dealing with my emotions, I'm very all or nothing. Whereas you are more, I guess, negotiable is the word. Uh, you are more uh, interested in the um, opinions, I guess, uh, or, or or perhaps how the other the others involved in the situation might be feeling. Whereas mm-hmm. I can be more straight to the point and like, just make a decision. And, and do you know what I mean? I, I would put it as the difference between black and white and shades of gray. Yes. You're more shades you, of gray. I'm more yes. black and white. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now that doesn't mean I don't change my mind. Cause I'm no, all this no. Gemini, but that's kind of where I am at the moment with my emotions except where children are concerned because my moon is in the fifth house so children are always welcome children are always uh very important to me so getting back to looking this uh, to this as a uh a way of figuring out a, a country a youth would play a factor uh, with this moon being in the fifth house uh, the children uh, yes yeah so just children and youth um uh as a as a key element of the personality yes if this is the chart and this were the time which you know it probably isn't but still it doesn't change the sign the moon is in on the two days it's either going to be on the second the moon will be in capricorn or on the fourth the moon will be in Aquarius. Now, if the moon is in Aquarius, it's trining all this Gemini and this first house in Libra, right? So that's mm-hmm. all very good. Um, and, 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 you know, it's trining the Saturn. So having it be on the fourth, uh, is nice. It opposes the Leo, which is, um, you know, like opposites attract, uh, Aquarians and Leos get along really well together. So, you know, it changes the dynamic having mm-hmm. moon in Aquarius as opposed to having moon in Capricorn. So if someone said, okay, well, we decided because the aspects are this, if moon is in Aquarius, this is the day that we have decided this is what's happening. You know what I mean? Maybe somewhere there were powers that be that said, let's have moon in Aquarius. Let's have that be the day or, you know, 
whatever. So between these two charts, you would lean towards astrologically the 4th of July makes more sense than the 2nd. Astrologically, the way I think of America and the way I feel as an American, which I am very patriotic as an American, we the people of the United States of America, we the people, that's moon and Aquarius. We the people. But... But Mm -hmm. we the people Mm -hmm. comes from what we will be talking about, which is when the Constitution was established. Okay, all right. But I do think that 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 ideal is certainly there in the founding. In to that, but those specific words that Uh you use Uh in that order is what we will be talking about as the third possible date. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, I I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. Uh That where the placement of this moon. Um, with the emphasis on people and on youth um, yes. and, and humanity, even, and, humanity uh-huh. um, and the unique nature of it being in Aquarius yes. as opposed to Capricorn, you would feel that astrologically the 4th of July makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like I like the moon in Aquarius for this better than the moon in Capricorn. But, um, you know. Moon and Capricorn has its advantages. Uh, mm-hmm. It just isn't. It's it. Moon and Capricorn is more ambitious and more um, needing to be in control of their emotions. When they're not in control of their emotions, they get very discombobulated, you know, mm. and 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 don't know how to deal with the emotions. You know, like I've I think I've discussed this with you before, like using Spock from Star Trek, as an example, when Spock goes off the rails, he's off the rails, right? Mm -hmm. So he's all or nothing. And so Mm -hmm. having Moon and Capricorn is kind of like that. You can go off the rails uh, when when you're overwhelmed with emotion, Mm -hmm. whereas this Moon in Aquarius is a little more... um, I mean, it's not so cut and dried. It's not so black and white. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is there uh, anything else uh, you'd like to uh, point out about this chart or the comparison of the two? No, they're really not that much different. I mean, seriously, just it's it's really just the moon. the de- the um, The degrees that that the, the of the differences aren't that much. See, here mm-hmm. we have uh, Venus at two degrees with uh, the moon in Aquarius, and here we have. Venus at zero degrees with the moon in Capricorn. You know, I mean, things are, they're not that much different. These two days, the main difference is the moon. So it would be the emotional uh, component of this chart. Okay. And the mother and women. Right, right. And I think in some ways, I mean, even though we were one of the last ones to let women vote, uh, we do have kind of a progressed female attitude here in the United States. And at this time, when we were first established, there were states who were already letting women vote. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it did not come until later on in America's trajectory that uh, that right was taken away because it was originally property holders. And in some states, women were holding property and they could vote, such Mm -hmm. as in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
yeah, that that's a, brings into a whole nother discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at this time, uh, I'll talk a little bit about um, why July 4th. Uh, so uh, July 4th is known as Independence Day, is known as um, the birthday of the United States because of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so independence was voted upon on July 2nd, but the declaration was not voted upon until July 4th, 1776. There were a full two days of negotiations um, on what the actual language of this document would be. Uh, so the uh, declaration of independence was meant as this a justification uh, to the rest of the world that this was not just some rowdy bunch of uh, of colonists upset at Great Britain. I mean, they certainly were rowdy, but there was a philosophy behind this that it, it took into account all of these uh, ideals of the Enlightenment uh, that was going on across the Western world um, into saying that there are natural rights and that these natural rights were being inflicted upon um, by the tyrannical government of Great Britain by its king and parliament. Uh, so uh, the uh, declaration began, um, it was asked upon the Congress before they had even voted for independence uh, for a committee to come up with a declaration uh, of independence. And so that committee consisted of some heavy hitters that you may know of. Uh, so Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson. Um, it also had Roger Sherman and Robert Livingston. Uh, so they were tasked with this, but uh, the main writing of this document would be mostly from Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a young uh, 30-year-old uh, planter from Virginia uh, who uh, was uh, filled with all of these Enlightenment ideals. He had uh, worked on the new uh, Virginia uh, Constitution um, and uh, was one of the greatest uh, minds of the time. And uh, he put it into succinct language, uh, things that had been going on in the Enlightenment for many years. Uh, people like John Locke, and uh, who had these ideas that there are things that no matter who's in charge, as a human being, you are entitled to. You are entitled to life. You yes. are entitled to liberty. Um, John Locke said you are entitled to property. Uh, Thomas Jefferson put a little flourish on things and said that you have the right to a pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he put that into the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Uh, that there's no banding about with this. Um, it's clear. It is uh, uh, clear as the sun in the sky that people are born with natural rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that uh, the government of Great Britain had been taking these away. Been taking away the lives of people um, through the military. Have been taking away their liberty through all of these uh, acts, taking away their right to assembly and their right uh, to uh, commerce and their right to uh, uh, speech, um, and certainly have been taking away the pursuit of happiness. Um, so many, it's a, if you ever read the whole document, a large part of it is just a list of all of the things that the king um, has done um, just in a few short years, uh, less than a decade of what King George III uh, had done uh, against the colonists. Um, in North America. Um, but 
This declaration, while presented on July 2nd, it still took two days to, um, for the rest of the Congress to go through it and p- take out little words, um, just take out uh, uh, all these uh, uh, little additions. It was so many corrections that uh, Thomas Jefferson was, was completely frustrated um, with all. Th- th- this was a perfect work in his mind that they were just mm-hmm. sullying with all, just taking out one word here, taking out a sentence there. Mm-hmm. One of the paragraphs that was in the original draft um, was a, a paragraph that uh, Thomas Jefferson put in about slavery and about the slave trade. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that we're free, that all human beings are free, they should be, uh, have life and liberty. Um, so uh, Thomas Jefferson put in a paragraph uh, saying uh, that King George III, the King of England, says uh, he has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere, or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. This mm-hmm. piratical warfare... The opprobrium of infidel powers is the warfare of a Christian king of Great Britain, uh, determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. Um, this was a, a clear denunciation of this practice of slavery, mm-hmm. written by a man who owned over a hundred slaves. Yes. Um, at that very moment. So it, it really shows the mindset uh, of, of Thomas Jefferson and everyone there. And that paragraph had to be taken out before any of the southern states would vote for independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, that is par- a major reason why uh, j- the vote on July 2nd and the actual ratification of the document on July 4th are two days apart was this discussion mm-hmm. over this thing that everyone in that room knew um was was evil mm-hmm. um but many of them felt that it was a necessary evil it was something that they had built their entire society and and their entire economy on and they could not fathom how they would get rid of it and decided they would push that off to another mm-hmm. generation um which they did and mm-hmm. millions of souls would be continued to be held in bondage mm-hmm. um for uh, that those upcoming generations um but uh, that that was uh, a a major reason why these two are are distinct so july 4th um the document uh, the document is ratified by the congress and it then goes to a printer um in philadelphia where uh thousands of copies are made and then it is distributed and people then find out july 4th that this has been done that uh, mm-hmm. these at least these these guys meeting in philadelphia say that we're free um there's still a whole war that has to be fought to make sure that that happens mm-hmm. um but uh because it says that on the document that's why um july 4th is remembered as independence day that's why all of the bonfires and cannons and fireworks and parades and Shows that John Adams was talking about happening on the second would in fact happen on the fourth. Right. And that does make more sense. I mean, if you are doing a chart for someone, you don't necessarily, you, you don't do the chart while the baby is in the womb. You know, you do the chart when the baby is born, at what time the baby is born. So in this situation, the ratification, it wasn't ready yet. 
you know? Well, so, I, I would say that the fact that a vote was taken means that mm-hmm. it is born because the decision had been made. It's just a piece of it's like it's the difference between being born and having a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, that's mm-hmm. I would say historically, the second should be more remembered as Independence Day, because the biggest part of this was having a decision, was mm-hmm. actually getting everyone to agree. Mm-hmm. Everyone had agreed on the second. Then mm-hmm. it's just a matter of putting these words onto a piece of paper and letting everyone else know. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, you know, astrologically, it, it plays out a little bit more for the fourth. And uh, that's what's written on the document. And I don't think no matter what I say here, uh, we're <laughs> going to change our Independence Day parades to happen on the second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I uh, can definitely see your point, And I can appreciate what you're saying. Uh, and I understand that from your perspective, the idea and the fact that everyone had agreed for the first time after a very long time of trying to get people to agree at all, uh, that that was a major uh, um, accomplishment. But actually, uh, in initiating and, and everyone signing this It was not signed. Oh, it, it was not signed, signed until August. Okay. Well, there it is then. I don't know. Uh, for me, I like this chart better. Okay. But, that, and that's, uh, just, yeah. that's just for me. Yeah, that's I'm my saying, opinion. Th- there is definitely and, yeah. a, uh, a, you know, there's an astrological perspective and there's a historical one. Mm-hmm. And then on top of the historical one, there's whatever Chandler makes up. So um, <laughs> uh, I would say my vote historically would be for July 2nd. Um, uh-huh. But I do, I, I agree that this chart with its uh, moon and Aquarius in the fifth house uh, mm-hmm. does make more sense for a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, maybe that's why the document had to wait another two years. I mean, two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, was to make sure that the stars were all aligned on us. Maybe so. I mean, the thing about it is we don't know what time to choose. No. So we're choosing noon. So that doesn't necessarily mean that the moon is in the fifth house or that it isn't. All right. Mm-hmm. But it does put the moon in Aquarius, whatever house it's in. Mm-hmm. And for a nation, I think having moon in Aquarius is probably better. Okay. All right, are you ready to look at our uh, third option here? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so this one is going to be the 17th Mm. Mm -hmm. of September, Uh 1787. Uh Are we going with noon on this We'll go with noon again, Mm -hmm. and we'll go with Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, well, this is different for sure if we're going with this time of day. Uh, this is significantly different. Um, <laughs> with this time of day, on this day, uh, it puts us with Sagittarius rising. Uh, the first house cusp is at 8 degrees Sagittarius. And it puts the North Node at one degree Sagittarius. All right. Um, 
Interesting. Second house cusp is Capricorn and Pluto is at 14 degrees Aquarius, not Capricorn. And third house cusp is Aquarius and Saturn is there at 23 degrees Aquarius. And fourth house cusp, interesting, it's Pisces. Fifth house cusp is Aries. Sixth house cusp is Taurus. Seventh house cusp is Gemini. And this puts Chiron in Gemini and Jupiter in Gemini and Mars in Cancer. And then uh, eighth house cusp is Cancer. And we have Uranus at 29 degrees in the eighth house. Ninth house cusp is Leo, and we have everything in Virgo. Everything goes to Virgo. So we have Mercury in Virgo, we have Venus in Virgo, and we have Sun in Virgo. Huh. And then 10th house cusp is Libra. And now we have Neptune and Libra in the 10th house. And, uh, uh, 12th house cusp is Scorpio, 11th house cusp. Actually, this is, this is, uh, Leo. Okay. And then, uh, Virgo and Libra and Scorpio. Okay. So. This is very different. And this puts North Node in the first house in Sag. That's very right up on it. You know, get on your horse and gallop towards whatever it is, right? In the uh -huh. first house. It makes us appear very um, cavalier, very uh unrestrained then uh pluto in aquarius in the second house gives us a very unique um way of looking at finances it's more humanitarian so this doesn't really i don't know i see america as very capitalist very capricorn um so this is different because this puts Pluto in Aquarius, which is very humanitarian, very all about the people, you know. Uh, then the third house cusp uh, is in Aquarius and uh, Saturn is at 23 degrees Aquarius, conjunct by degree within the 10 degree orb Pluto but in different houses. So again, this is very humanitarian. And uh, uh, third house, which is siblings and early education and, and lessons with having, you know, having to do with these things, family and um, written communication and communication, right? Mm -hmm. You see all this? 
Where are Hello? we? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I'd lost you there for a second. Okay. Here, we're in the third house. So we're house. in the third house. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so first house is Sag. Second mm-hmm. house is Capricorn. Third house is Aquarius. Fourth house is Pisces. All right. Which would, and, 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 cause I'm, I'm doing Placidus houses. So it goes into Aries, right? So we have a lot of Pisces in this third house too. And then a little bit of Pisces here, right? In the fourth house and then Aries. So Aries on the fourth house, Aries in the fourth house is, you know, all Aries things. So war like things and, and, and dominance and, and fierceness, you know, in the fourth house, which is how home country, you know, the cusp is Pisces. But then we go to fifth house and that cusp is Aries, but it switches to Taurus. I mean, I can do these as full equal houses, right? If, if we wanted to look at things that way as well, it would remove all of these portions. But I mean, I was trained to work with Placidus houses. So I understand the, um, the, 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 the elements that work in the, in the Placidus house system. Okay. So, um, then, uh, sixth house is, uh, Taurus, sixth house cusp is Taurus, which would put, uh, value on work. There's nothing in these houses, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing in, uh, there. But then we get to the seventh house cusp and we have Chiron and Gemini and Jupiter in Gemini and Mars in Cancer. So this would expand the partnerships, right? But also keep, even though this Mars is in Cancer, Mars is still going to be about Martian things, you know, um, competition and, 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 uh, uh, war and things like that. And then eighth house is, uh, uh, is cancer, right? The cusp is cancer. And we have Uranus at 29 degrees cancer in the eighth house, right? Um, legacy with, uh, uh, unexpected things. And then ninth house cusp is Leo, and uh having no planets in Leo in that ninth house and everything going to Virgo and Virgo being very precise, very um organizational with data, very um what am I trying to say? Like like um listing, listing things, writing things down and, and keeping, keeping records, you know, that's very, and that's in the ninth house of philosophy and travel and there's sun, Venus and Mercury in this, in this chart, right? 10th house, uh, 10th house is actually the 10th house cusp is Virgo, but you have Neptune and Libra there in the 10th house, which would be um, a dreamy way of dealing with career and fame and, uh, these kinds of, you know, career and 
the eleventh uh, house cusp is Libra, but it goes into Scorpio, and there's no planet there. But this puts um, the twelfth house cusp in Scorpio, and the Moon is in Sagittarius in the twelfth house. So there would be some karma with the mother, um, and and that uh, Sagittarian cavalier emotion you know, very, um, get on your horse and ride like a knight, you know, grab your sword, swing it up on the way as you jump up on your horse. Does any of this make sense to what you are looking at here? Uh, yeah. Um, what would the, uh, the Chiron in the, uh, seventh house with the Gemini, how would that be different? Cause last time, last two times it was Chiron in the seventh house with, Aries, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So the difference is that uh, it here is your negotiation, right? Mm-hmm. You have some uh, issues with communication, all right, and communication with partners, uh, not in 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 these other charts where you know it is competition and and war. In this situation, it is uh, communication, all right? Uh, Mercury uh, rules Gemini. So you have this wounded healer with communication, all right? You also have Jupiter there, which is making it bigger, okay? So this is this chart is about communicating and data and writing things down and keeping records and um, uh, unique nurturing, unique legacy with nurturing because it's this Uranus and Cancer, right? In the eighth house, legacy with uh, mothering, all right? And, and, And female energy and education, Saturn in the third house, education, new education, and Pluto in the second and Aquarius, which is um, power, power to the people (laughs) and uh, prosperity to the people. Um, And then... uh, And that's connected to money. uh Uh-huh. Money. Mm-hmm. Because it's second house mm-hmm. and values and um, material things, right? But to the people, because it's Aquarius. So, for instance, if this is a person's chart and they have Pluto in Aquarius in the second house, then th- this person could be very powerful or they could have death and rebirth with their finances, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also a possibility. This could be. In and out, like complete death and rebirth, cyclic uh, changes with finances, but where the people are concerned. So in this situation, this person could be very generous to people, right? Um, Having Saturn in the second house, very in Aquarius, very generous with your wealth. You are um, willing to share with the people, right? Mm -hmm. And humanitarian, so, you know, willing to give to those less fortunate than you are. That kind of thing, if it was a person. 
Right. So, yeah. But this uh, moon in the 12th house in Sagittarius is karma with the emotions of... Righteousness, because Sagittarians, uh, right side of Sagittarians, are very righteous and very law-abiding and 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 wanting to do the right thing. Maybe it doesn't necessarily mean law of the land. It's more like law of of what is right, what you know in your heart is right. That's an that's a, that's an aspect of Sagittarian people. Mm-hmm. Is this, do you have questions? Um, I, th- I think we've we, we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, I I think maybe in the future I'd like to take a look at one of these, uh, whichever chart. What that is going through on this date, because um, I don't. Uh, there, there's certainly some historical argument to say that this is truly when our our nation was born, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, the personality wise, if you were to think of America as a personality, um, the characteristics of this nation don't show up here as much Mm-mm. as as with the others. Mm-hmm. I think that this day is what day is this. This is the day that the Constitution uh, was agreed upon in the Mm -hmm. uh, Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. Okay, well, you can see that this makes a lot of sense, right, Mm -hmm. for the Constitution. Mm -hmm. All right. There's so much going on here with communication and writing things down and Mm -hmm. data. And you know what I mean? Yeah. This, uh, 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 this, uh innovative values you know as far as uh power you know so this this chart does make a lot of sense for the constitution Mm -hmm. but as far as america is concerned this makes a lot more sense july 4th Uh uh-huh it really does i mean i can see how the constitution was um finalized correct on this date it was as it was agreed upon at the convention and then Mm -hmm. it still had to be sent out to the states for them Mm -hmm. to vote individually okay yeah i see i can see that in this chart it's very clear there's a lot of information and communication and 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 data and and organizing you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. it's very it 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 makes a lot of sense here Mm mm-hmm I like it. Uh, well, then I think at this time I will uh, go into a little bit of um, detail as to uh, what's going on here in September of 1787. Uh, so uh, July 4th, uh, we declared independence, but uh, as far as Great Britain was concerned, that's just a receipt of treason uh, with a whole bunch of names on the bottom of it of who they should hang. Um <laughs> As uh, as Ben Franklin said, we must all hang together or we will hang separately. <laughs> uh, so there's still a war to fight, and that war uh, was uh, a, a very costly one and went through many years. Um, 
Uh, and eventually, uh, the British were defeated at Yorktown, and then there was a treaty agreed upon in 1783, uh, saying that, uh, the Americans, uh, had their own country, that they were now, uh, free, they were no longer colonies of, uh, Great Britain. Um, but the way that America governed itself at this time uh, was through the Articles of Confederation, which essentially made it to where these 13 col former colonies were now 13 independent countries uh, that were uh, held together um, very loosely through a Congress uh, that met in Philadelphia. But uh, the laws that were passed there had very little effect on everyone in their individual state. Um, the way that the rest of the world understood this, uh, France sent 13 different ambassadors to each of the 13 states because they were treating them all as their independent countries. Uh, this idea was more like what the European Union is than how we would imagine our country. Um, there was no one set of monetary systems. Uh, so some people were still using the English system of uh, pence and, uh, uh, and pounds, whereas others were using the Spanish system of dollars. Um, the, there was no central army. There was no central, um, president. There was no one to enforce laws. It was, uh, really taking these ideals of the revolution to their radical extreme, uh, where many people outside of, uh, this looked at it as an experiment that was bound to fail. Um, it started to show its signs of cracking um, uh, during Shays' Rebellion, in which uh, the people in Massachusetts uh, were upset at the way uh, that taxes were being uh, collected, uh, and so they went to the state house in an angry mob and demanded that the taxes not be collected at all, and there was no army to enforce law, so they just got away with it. Um <laughs> This uh, put a, a, everything into a, a crisis mode, and so people went to Philadelphia and had a separate convention that was supposed to be amending the Articles of Confederation. Um, the very first vote that was taken was for all of the doors to be locked and all of the windows to be sealed, that everything in there would be a secret, that nothing would get out to the press, um, so that they, uh, and at that, uh, after that, they decided they were not going to uh, amend the Articles of Confederation. They were going to trash it, and they were going to have to make a completely new government. Mm -hmm. Um so what they ended up doing, they made George Washington, who had come out of retirement, um, to be president of the convention, and they went through and created a completely new government, um, still uh, adhering to the principles of democracy in a republic, but with a much more emphasis on that there needs to be some central location, there needs to be some centralization of power to make any of this work, because if you have 13 different essentially republics with 13 different armies, there were some people in Connecticut and Pennsylvania who were going to start fighting each other um, because of claims on Western territories. Um, no. There was uh, no way of having interstate commerce with each other because of how all the different regulations would be. So there needed to be some sort of new 
uh, way of, of making this work. And so they created the Constitution. Um, people who were just very young people in the army, like Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, um, were now coming to this convention and with their ideas of how to make um, a republic work. And so they settled upon a uh, three branches of government, uh, a, an executive, a, a legislative, a judicial. The legislative would be a bicameral uh, using a House of Representatives and a Senate. The House of Representatives would be more connected to the people. Um, people voted every two years for them. Uh, you could have lots of, uh, if you didn't like who was in charge, you could vote them out um, in a very short amount of time. They would be connected to the people, whereas the Senate was meant to be more of a, a, a gentlemanly class. You were elected for six years. Uh, you did not have to answer to the whims of the people all the time, because sometimes there are times where people uh, don't exactly see the long-term uh, things of what's going on, and so a senator uh, would not have to answer to all of the rushing whims and changing winds of things. Uh, because the mob rule was showing that it was not working out, uh, as the Shays' Rebellion pointed out. Uh, so uh, they got together, they made this new constitution, uh, they wrote it out. Uh, a major part of this uh, was figuring out who exactly would count in um, making a legislature, who exactly could vote, who exactly uh, was considered a, a person in the population to vote, um, the people, uh, the delegates from the southern states, uh, from the slaveholding states, said that um, their slaves uh, counted as people uh, for the purposes of getting representation. They just did not count as people who had rights or had any sort of uh, agency in their lives. Wow. Uh, the people in the north said, well, that isn't right because if you are treat if they're if you're claiming them as people for the purposes of representation then you should count them as people in all other ways yes. so they came up with a three-fifths compromise in which each slave represented three-fifths of a person uh, and could then be counted as three-fifths of what the southern states would come to the table as representing um but were not given any rights as an actual person. Um, that was a major part of uh, this convention. Um, other parts, uh, th this was not a very popular thing. Lots of people saw the Articles of Confederation as the correct way of running the government, that there were problems with it, but mm -hmm. um, the, that, that your main uh, form of government should be your local government, should be your state house. Mm -hmm. um, to have some new city, they had to build a new city, um, a, a federal city uh, far away, and have these people in charge of you, they didn't like that. Right. Um, but uh, uh, eventually everyone in the uh, convention agreed uh, to the Constitution, and on September 17th of 1787, they opened the doors and uh, and published what they had been working on. Um, this was quite a surprise to a lot of people, because they didn't think that they were having a completely new government. They just thought that the old one was being amended. Um, mm. But it went to the states, and then they all voted upon it, and there were many people called anti-federalists who did not like um, this new constitution and said that the only way that they would vote for it is if there are certain rights that would be um, enshrined in this constitution, uh, that there needed to be a bill of rights that... Right. Um, um, 
uh, uh, the, that uh, things like freedom of speech, things like uh, the freedom to carry uh, and bear arms, things like uh, making sure that soldiers could not quarter inside your house. They were still pretty yes. peeved at the British for doing that. Um, all of these things needed to be uh, made in the Constitution as amendments. Uh, those who were uh, promoting the Constitution, th- people like Hamilton and even Madison, um, were confused. They were saying, how uh, uh who who are you protecting these rights from the, mm-hmm. these are the people the people are the ones who are going to be your president the people are the ones going to be your senators uh, are you afraid of what the people will do to you um but eventually they compromised and uh, these states came into the fold uh once a bill of rights uh, which was actually written by Madison um came into the Constitution, and that's those first ten amendments to the Constitution. Um, so in many ways, uh, this could be seen as a uh, as a birthday for America because um, this is when it's no longer 13 individual countries, but instead one country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we the people, as the preamble mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, in other ways, it's really just a clarification. It is just a reorganization, whereas culturally we were distinct um, in 1776. Right. Well, uh, I think um, we've gone through uh, several hours here and probably come out with the uh, same verdict that we had had we not done any of this. And that is that July 4th, 1776 is our Independence Day. But hopefully our uh, listeners have gotten uh, a few insights into astrologically what that means for us and uh, a little bit of history, too, as to uh, uh, what was going on on July 2nd and in September of 1787. Right. Well, I also think that um, it's very interesting to look at these charts and see the differences in um, the aspects and 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 how they kind of make sense for what was going on at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I do like the chart with Moon and Aquarius. It makes me feel uh, that the United States is very humanitarian in their emotional makeup. I don't know what time this might have happened. And, uh, you know, how that all plays into it. It would be interesting to uh, do some research. I mean, Libra rising kind of does make sense for America because I'm an American and I think America is very pretty and beautiful. So, I mean, from a na- and it's also Libra is is the balance, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yes. uh, you look at, at uh, that is something that we at least strive for in our mm-hmm. in our justice system is um, uh, uh, for for balance and for you know in, in other countries uh, depending on what family you were born in, you got more justice than other people did. In America, we at least have this ideal that everyone should be treated equally in the eyes of the law. And I'm really, you know, looking at that 12th house and the, um, uh, 
uh, I believe it's Neptune, um, you know, the, the ideals, the dreams, uh, mm-hmm. but then that coming up, um, against, uh, the, the logistics and analytical side that there are ideals that we, um, might not, uh, that we strive towards that reality and logistics get in the way of. Right. I think that if we were to look at this and this did have this chart the way it is here, written here, Mm -hmm. um, having Neptune in Virgo in the 12th house is something that uh, we need to work with. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can look at this. I mean, there are people who have a narrative that, you know, America is a lot of people reincarnated from you know, Atlantis or Lemuria or whatever, you know, there's a lot of ideas out there and everyone's welcome to their ideas. I find all of these narratives fascinating. I do love America and I love we the people of America. And I am definitely, you know, less government, more we the people. And I think that we had a really great idea that we started out with. And I'm hoping that that can last forever, personally. (laughs) Yay, America. You know, uh, the home of the free and the brave. So um, we'll have to, you know, hope for the best. Uh, yes, uh, always, uh, hoping for, uh, the best. And, uh, for all of those who are, uh, international, uh, viewers, uh, we love all of you. Uh, we love all of the countries and all of the things that they have brought, uh, to our unique nation. There's a nation of immigrants from all over the world, and everyone brings, uh, their own characteristics to making us, uh, uh, the, the country, uh, that we all love. So, wherever you are in the world, if you happen to be in America, or if you happen to to be um, elsewhere in the world. Uh, uh, I hope if you're elsewhere in the world, happy 4th of July, just a regular day for you. Um, but for all of us in America, happy 4th of July, the uh, birthday of our nation. Happy 4th of July, everyone. And I also would like to say that I love all of the cultures that are in our country. I find each culture to be so rich and wonderful and and such a a beautiful part of what makes this country what it is is having this melting pot of all of these amazing things that people bring from everywhere in the world and i also would like to say that i would also like to come to your country and visit it and see your culture um up close and personal uh hopefully sometime soon i will do that uh, so, uh, thank you all so very much, uh, for listening to our, uh, season two, uh, premiere. Um, if you'd like to, uh, support the, uh, podcast, uh, we have all of our links to our social media, um, in, uh, today's episode. Uh, we also have a link to our PayPal account if you'd like to reach out. Every little, uh, gift, uh, helps us in, uh, making a better quality show and expanding our audience. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, that, that gets us to the end of the show. So, uh, thank you so much for listening as always in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything will be just fine. Happy birthday, America. We love you. We love all of our listeners and welcome to season two. 
Yes, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.